Happy New Year. Welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug. I'm a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. This is the beginning of my fourth year of this Will Preach for Food podcast. I started this back in March of 2020, just as the pandemic was shutting things down. Now, a hundred and some podcasts later, with over 8,200 downloads, we're still reading the Bible every week. We're still talking about Jesus every week. And we're still talking about 20 minutes every week. Thanks to you all who listen and do and share this podcast. Thank you, Chaz and Nadia, for your production help every week. We're beginning 2023 at Faith with a shift in our Sunday morning uh, schedule, a single 10 a.m. worship service with an education hour following at 11.15. The 9 a.m. hour is slotted for our worship teams, including, we hope, a reboot of our traditional adult choir. Now, let me be clear. Nobody likes change. And I want to thank you for your patience and trust that this change is not something being done lightly or on a whim. I want to assure you that faith is committed to a variety and range of worship styles. One size does not fit all. Two sizes, in fact, do not fit all. During this season, we want to broaden and expand the ways that the people of faith can gather for worship and experience the presence of God. That faith is committed to utilizing the many and diverse musical gifts and teaching gifts of this congregation. In fact, finding ways to invite and include more people in the leadership of our worship and music, in our faith moment ministry, in hospitality and evangelism ministries, in our children's message and Sunday school ministries. I am confident in the goodwill and maturity of this congregation to go with the flow, to trust the staff and the leadership of faith, and to engage in thoughtful and prayerful discernment about Sunday mornings of faith. I'm committed to meeting the needs and expectations of existing worshipers and members. I am committed to experimenting with ways to shape our Sunday mornings in such a way as to welcome and inspire more and more future worshiping families, especially those who <clears throat> aren't here right now, younger families uh, trying to make sense of a post-pandemic world. It's also just real important for us and a blessing, I think, for us to be together as one congregation on Sunday mornings. Everyone I talk to is experiencing profound loss, loneliness. Sunday mornings are a unique opportunity in Shelton, <laughs> in our world today. People at faith can simply get together, enjoy one another's company, companionship, and friendship. Welcome home, we say, because it really is good to be home. A central element in our worship life together is the sacrament of Holy Communion. Now, when the pandemic hit back in 2020, while everyone else was rushing out to buy toilet paper, Faith rushed out to buy a couple thousand of those little pre-filled, pre-sealed communion cups filled with grape juice and a communion wafer. And all that spring and into the summer, Pastor Mary and a handful of volunteers, I'm thinking about Bert and Linda Woods, uh, standing outside the sanctuary, offering drive-through communion, a wafer of bread, a sterile cup of grape juice, but substantive human interaction, 
kind words, smiles, encouragement, a reminder that we are one family, one body. There was continuity, belonging, a connection with God and with each other. Today's Bible reading, the Apostle Paul is writing to a congregation about its practice of Holy Communion in the earliest stages of the church. I'm going to spend some time this week and next, really, um, learning from the Bible what Holy Communion is. You might be surprised that the Bible uses several images and metaphors for describing the meaning and power of the bread and wine given and shed for you. So I hope today's message leads to some good conversations about uh, communion in your household. Hope it leads, helps our congregation wonder together about how and, and why we want to share this sacrament on Sunday mornings in worship. And my prayer as well is that, that uh, this message brings you a deeper experience of an understanding of Christ's great love for you in the eating and the drinking, in the participation of the Lord's Supper. Please open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to read a, a short passage from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. Paul writes this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here ends the reading. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the night in which he was betrayed. Do you recognize that phrase? It's the beginning of what the church calls the words of institution. Recalling the last supper Jesus ate with his disciples when he declared the bread and wine of the Passover meal to be his own body and blood. Given and shed for you, he says. Do this, he says, in remembrance of me. Do this, he says, thereby instituting what we call the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, or around here, uh, Holy Communion. What I received from the Lord, I passed on to you. See, Paul wasn't at the Last Supper, but he had spent several years hanging out with the likes of Peter and and John and Luke and Priscilla and Barnabas and a bunch of the first generation followers. And what they had received from Jesus, they passed on to Paul and others, who in turn passed it on to on what they learned to all the churches, including the one that Paul started at Corinth. So I guess it's just worth noticing that the why and the how of how we of, of sharing Holy Communion, this meal in remembrance of Jesus has always been something that is learned and practiced, experienced, and then taught and handed down. This means that Holy Communion isn't optional. It is instituted. Jesus commands it. But it also isn't uniform. Every single congregation I've ever been a part of practices and thinks about communion a little bit differently. And that's okay. Because that's how it is in the Bible. Even, even the variations of the word, four times the words of institution show up in the Bible. Here in 1 Corinthians, Jesus says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
Gospel of Luke has Jesus saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But Mark says that Jesus says, This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many. And Matthew says that Jesus says, This is the, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, all four connect the wine with the, of the Jewish Passover meal with the blood of Jesus. But only Matthew's gospel connects it specifically to the forgiveness of sins. And by the way, if you're wondering if the gospel of John is silent on the topic, he actually connects communion to manna, to the bread from heaven in the Exodus wilderness. John recalls that Jesus institutes the eating and drinking of his body and blood, not at the Last Supper, but at the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, when he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And then he doubles down, saying that whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. See, it turns out that in the Bible, there are at least three ways to understand and experience Holy Communion. And today I want to tell you briefly about all three and then invite you to reflect on the imagery that's most meaningful for you. Visually, the Bible gives us an altar, a table, and a wilderness. At the altar, we experience what Christ has done for us for the forgiveness of sins. At the table, we experience Christ with us, friendship with God and fellowship with one another. And in the wilderness, we experience Christ in us, taking in God's provision, the living bread from heaven, food for the journey. All three of these are reflected in our worship space, in our language around communion, and in the songs that we sing. Let's start at the altar. Uh, an altar is the location of a sacrifice. And Christ sacrificed his life on the cross for us. In the Old Testament Exodus story, it's the households of the Israelite slaves that were marked with the blood of a sacrificed lamb. Those households were passed over by the angel of death. Throughout the Old Testament, the blood of the lamb was a sign of God's covenant, God's promise to bless Israel, to be a blessing to the world. As a sign of the new covenant then, it is the blood of Jesus by which our sins are forgiven and we are washed clean. This is what Christ Jesus has done for us. This is the sacrament of the altar. We come humbly, reverently, mindful of the great cost Jesus paid for our freedom. I was raised with communion as and in the image of the altar. Uh, the altar was up against the wall, is a couple steps uh, higher than the rest of the sanctuary. It was holy ground, unapproachable. In fact, I couldn't receive communion until I was in ninth grade. Most of us, most Western Christians, from Roman Catholics to Lutherans to Baptists, have been raised with this as the primary image the blood of Christ shed for us, the forgiveness of sins. So much of our hymnary and modern worship songs reflect this emphasis. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. 
So if you're new to the church thing, you should know that about uh, the language about the blood of Christ. When we talk about the blood of Christ, it, it's a shorthand for talking about this promise of the forgiveness of sins demonstrated and won through the death and resurrection of Jesus, recalled in this sacrament. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim Christ's death until he comes again. The altar, what Christ has done for us. But there's, there are other images uh, and other ways to understand Holy Communion. Uh, those who critique the Christian church today often, in fact, take a look at how we fixate on sin and the forgiveness of sins. And how in the world could a, a human sacrifice possibly solve anything? So let's shift the image to a table instead. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where we can play football. It's a wedding banquet hall. And, and communion is about Christ with us. Come, for the table is ready, he says. Take and eat. This is my body given for you. There's room at the table for everyone. So followers of Jesus gather for this meal, a foretaste of the feast to come. Jesus is here, his presence revealed as the gifts of God are passed around. The bread is shared, not broken. And the emphasis is on a shared cup, not the blood sacrifice. This cup is the new covenant shed for you and for all people. It's the wine of the Holy Spirit passed around and poured out freely. The sanctuary of faith was originally designed, the, uh, this sanctuary, to reflect this image of the table. Remember when the altar table was in the middle of the room and the congregation came forward, we gathered around, we shared bread and wine, often kneeling in a circle, and then sent off with a blessing. Communion is a foretaste of the feast to come, a bunch of forgiven sinners eating a meal with Jesus. If the tragedy of the Garden of Eden was that friendship between Eve and Adam and God was fractured, then the communion table is the reconciliation between God and people, the place where relationships are healed and made new. Come to the table. Let us build a house where love is found in water, wine, and wheat, a banquet hall on holy ground where peace and justice meet. Here, the love of God through Jesus is revealed in time and space, as we share in Christ the feast that frees us, all are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place. So you have the altar, Christ for us, the forgiveness of sins. You have the table, Christ with us, a foretaste of the feast to come. And then we have a wilderness, Christ in us, food for the journey, manna from heaven, we are what we eat. Back in the Old Testament, that Exodus wilderness story, God provides the people um, with manna from heaven as their daily food. Food for their wilderness journey that was freely given. No one had too little. No one had too much. John chapter 6 then tells us how Jesus feeds 5,000 people, blessing, multiplying, and distributing the loaves and fish. Everyone has enough to eat, we're told, with 12 baskets left over. As in the Exodus wilderness, God provides bread from heaven, daily bread, food for the journey. But Jesus takes it one step forward. I am the living bread from heaven, he declares. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, for I am in them and they are in me. 
We are, after all, what we eat. So as Christ's flesh nourishes our flesh and as the the blood of Christ begins to course through our veins, the church becomes the body of Christ. We are in Christ, we say. Christ is in us, we say. I think during COVID, we learned to embrace this imagery. Church wasn't something we could go to. Uh, Church became something that we had to be, that we had to embody. Those little pre-sealed packages of wafers and juice were manna from heaven. Reminders of God's provision and presence. Food that equipped us to be Christ to one another and to the world, even during a pandemic, especially during a pandemic. O bread of life from heaven, O food to pilgrims given, O manna from above, Feed with your blessed sweetness of your divine completeness the souls that want and need your love. So come to the altar of the Lord. Here is the forgiveness of sins. Come to the table of the Lord. Christ is with us. Come to the wilderness. Here is the living bread from heaven. Amen? Amen. Next week, we're going to take a little closer look at our practice of Holy Communion, our manners, our habits, how we set the table and clean up, how old a person should be. Should we kneel or stand? Should it be gluten-free, open or closed communion? We're going to come back to that passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul actually has quite a few things to say about what he sees happening on Sunday mornings in their worship and communion practices. My hope is that by thinking about this, talking about it, discerning together as God's people, wherever you are, that our communion practices will both honor God and nourish and encourage our faith. So may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you, nourish you, comfort you, and give you peace. Amen. Thanks again for listening, everyone. To learn more about faith, go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. While you're there, you can like us, subscribe, donate, sign up for our newsletter. And this podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, and Google. Let us pray. Pour out upon us the spirit of your love, O Lord, and unite the wills of those whom you have fed with this one heavenly food. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.